Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. <laughs> From the past, ladies and gentlemen, by Daddy Yankee, uh, the reggaeton man from Puerto Rico, who did this song, and it really had nothing to do with pumping for oil. But you may have remembered in the election of 2008, it was uh, John McCain and Sarah Palin versus Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And this became central to their theme. They culturally appropriated this uh, Daddy Yankee song. And remember, they were, drill, baby, drill. You know, drill in the heartland, drill in the southwest, drill along the coast. Drill, baby, drill, baby, drill. Meanwhile, Daddy Yankee had no idea, other than obviously he was making uh, money hand over fist. But all of a sudden, his fan base fell out, Lou, because it was perceived that he was on Team McCain and Palin. <laughs> oh, man, last night, who's your daddy? Well, that's what uh, Houston was telling the Yankees in Houston. Game two. We'll see what happens before they come back to the station and then uh, uh, the stadium, Yankee Stadium, and then it's cold. If it's 2 nothing, it's cold. It's got to stop the hemorrhaging in the World Series. As I've said before, Lou, as long as Aaron Boone is manager, we're not going to win the World Series. We're just not going to win the World Series. The guy's too analytical. He's not passionate enough. Did you see him in the dugout there chewing on the gum like he was a cow chewing on its cut? Oh, so angry. And so angry at Sid this morning as I was on at 7.05. Great show, Sid. Head, oh, from 6 to 10, I listen every morning. You got to. If you miss it uh, on the fly, then you got to get it on the podcast. But, man, I was talking about, well, I'll get into it later on, about Eric Adams and the sit-down that Eric Adams wants with Sid Rosenberg. He's vacillating at Michael's, his favorite restaurant in Brooklyn on Avenue R. And remember, Lou, I said uh, I encouraged him to go. Because I wanted to wire them up like a Christmas tree. I said, look, in Brooklyn, the only place they don't pat you down is on your three-piece set, your testicles. It's almost like a written rule. I said, you, you said you shave down there. Don't worry about it. Wire you up like a Christmas tree on your three-piece set. Don't worry. Uh, Sid was schwitzing there. Uh, look, he's not used to this. He's an actor. He plays the Marlboros, but <laughs> he's never been down and dirty. With mobsters like yours truly, Curtis Lee. But let's, talking about mobsters, this first uh, 15 minutes of the lunchtime edition of WABC, where I do a rip and read and commentary, is dedicated to mobsters. It's the Biden crime family. We're going to talk about that, especially what Joe Biden is doing. And then, obviously, a real crime family up there in the Bronx the Satolas, uh, who you talk about drama, I mean drama, it was absolutely unbelievable in the courtroom yesterday of the Eastern District. As a uh, jury came down in a decision, the youngest son, 
looking to whack the father six times, and then the older son one time. We'll get to that later on, Lou, just a little uh, preface. But one thing the mob always did was hijack gasoline when the, when the prices were high. I know because I used to pump gas at Shell Station, Rockies, on Seaview Avenue, uh, off of Rockaway Parkway. I was uh, the overnight manager, which just meant I was a glorified gas jockey. Uh, the uh, tanks uh, would come in at, at night, the 18-wheel tractor trailers, and they'd pump, at that time, the regular which was um, unleaded for the first time. The high test leaded. Uh, and then uh, they'd have sort of a mixed blend. People wanted the high test, right? And then all of a sudden, the Russians would hijack the tractor trailers in Brooklyn and bring them in, and they were unmarked. And I'd say, uh, hey, how come you don't have any shell uh, markings on the truck? And they basically, Boris would say, mind your own business. Uh, I got a deal with Rocky, who owns the station, and... Uh, and I didn't even have to put the sticks in to measure it to make sure they weren't screwing it, uh, screwing us, and then sort of like uh, a siphoning off gas from the top. Anyway, we'll get to that momentarily because the news of the day yesterday was Joe Biden, who was talking about how in advance of the midterm elections, he was going to be tapping into the Federal Reserve again of our petroleum products, which are down in Louisiana and Texas in order to drop the price at the pump before November 8th. The Department of Energy will release another 15 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, extending our previously announced release through the month of December. Independent analysis, they, uh, excuse me, independent analysts have confirmed that drawdowns on the reserve so far have played a big role in bringing down oil prices, bringing them down. So we're going to continue to responsibly use that national asset. Right now, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is more than half full, with about 400 million barrels of oil. That's more than enough for any emergency drawdown. Come on, it's all political. The prices in the last week have been going up again. That's why he's deciding to release 15 million barrels into the supply to try to stabilize that price or maybe knock it down a little more. And then later on, the White House press secretary said that up to this date, Americans have saved $420 million on gas since the pump prices hit an all-time recorded high earlier this year. Propaganda, propaganda, more propaganda. And it's interesting because... You would think that the Hunter Biden story would be first and foremost. You had the 50 national security advisors two years ago, almost to the day, say that this was part of a Russian uh, disinformation plot. They maligned uh, Michael Mbaricic, Rudy Giuliani, Bernard Carrick uh, for bringing the two laptops to the U.S. Attorney's Office, to the Delaware State Police, uh, and to the FBI. And it turned, it turned out that Rudy was right. And the 50 national security advisors, or those who had formerly worked for the National Security uh, uh, Department, were wrong and were giving camouflage to Biden in the Hunter Biden manner. But we do know that Hunter Biden is the black sheep of the family, although James Biden, the political wild card, that's the brother of Joe Biden, sort of reminds me, Lou, back uh, in 1980, remember Billy Carter, Jimmy Carter's brother? who went three times back and forth to Libya with Gaddafi, got $2 million from Gaddafi. They had an investigation on the hill called Billy Gate. 
Look, it seems to go with the territory. A bad president was Jimmy Carter, and he had obviously a uh, bad brother. But when it comes to uh, Joe Biden, uh, his brother, James Biden, is a political wild card. He's got his uh, beak in the trough, and actually we know what Hunter Biden has his beak into. Everything. But that brings us to the real family, the organized crime family, the Zatola family. Many of you may know up in the Bronx, this is a family that has had uh, associations with the Lucases and the Bananas. In fact, um, they have been uh, residents uh, of the uh, private community known as <laughs> Country Club. Yeah, yeah it's semi-private, you know, in the neck, right, right before you hit the Targs Neck Bridge. And uh, you have the patriarch, uh, who is a guy that they tried to whack now six times, the patriarch. Sylvester Sally Dazzatola, sitting on a fortune in real estate. He owns it all up in the Bronx, $45 million. You know, he's a slum landlord. He owns commercial properties. And he's best known, Lou, in case you're a degenerate gambler like Frank Morano, who uh, hosts... Uh, the worst side of the other side of midnight, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5 in the morning. The Joker pokers that you have in the back, you know, the bodegas, the delis, the grocery stores, the hardware stores, the Joker pokers. And the skim goes in, up in the Bronx to the Bananos and Lucchese's. But the guy who was controlling so much of it was Sylvester Sally Dazzatola. And so... Um, He had his oldest son, Salvatore Zatola, who was uh, in on it. In fact, one day, uh, Lou, he goes, he leaves a country club, and he goes to collect the money from the Joker poker machines in the back of all the stores and bars there in the neck, on Throg's neck, uh, on East Tremont. And when he comes back to country club, there's a blood waiting for him, unbeknownst to him that his brother Anthony, his youngest brother, had contracted a blood named Bouchon Shelton to whack him. And so all of a sudden he sees out of his rearview mirror that this blood comes running up. Because let's face it, there aren't that many black guys in country clubs. So uh, (laughs) you got to be a little wary, right? It's sort of like, it's not like the rest of the Bronx. So the guy goes, oh, he's got a toolie in his hand. And he's running around the car and the guy is shooting at him and shooting at him and he's rolling on the ground, rolling on the ground because he had fallen and tripped and he got shot multiple times. But the older brother, Salvatore Zatoli, survived that hit. Meantime, the old man, the old man, the family patriarch, Sylvester Salidad Zatola, he was being stalked and beaten and stabbed, never knowing who orchestrated the attacks in his house, in his place of business, on the streets. In fact, in one particular situation, this guy, Ron Cabey of Blood, who had been contracted by Bouchon Shelton on behalf of Anthony Zatola, approaches the patriarch Sylvester Sally Zatola, who's like uh, walking very slowly. You know, he's had a few injuries in his career. He's checking up on his properties. And all of a sudden, he pulls the gun. It's like Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr over in Weehawken. And the old man pulls his gun, and the old man fires first. And all of a sudden, the blood, he goes running off Ron Cabey. Now, he gets arrested by the feds on that, and they flip him. He becomes a cooperating witness. And all throughout the trial, he was up there on the witness stand. 
And, Lou, this is going to be very important to the continuation of our discussion about rats, two-legged and four-legged rats, in the next segment involving the swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams. But he kept saying, Ron Kibbe, every time the U.S. attorney would question him or the defense attorney who would really drill down on him, uh, who was representing the younger son, Anthony Zatola, who obviously was trying to whack his father, he wanted the $45 million real estate empire in the Bronx, and he wanted to cut his older brother out of it, Salvatore. So Ron Cavey would always say, I want you to all know I'm not a rat. You know, I'm not a rat. I'm not a rat whatsoever. Meantime, he's eating the Parmesan cheese. He's giving testimony, testimony, testimony. Talks about the thousand text messages that went back and forth between Bouchon Shelton, the head of the Bloods gang that organized all of this, and the youngest brother, Anthony, obviously the black sheep of the Zatola family. And so the jury was deliberating and deliberating and deliberating. And then all of a sudden yesterday, Lou, they came back and they found that Anthony, the youngest son, was guilty of trying to kill his father six times. Eventually successful because his father decided to roll up into a Mickey D's to get a cup of coffee on Webster Avenue in the Bronx instead of going to nearby Arthur Avenue, right, in Belmont, where you get a little medallia daughter and it will be scared. It costs more money, but the guy's a cheapskate. He's got $45 million of property in the Bronx, but he wants to buy a Mickey D's coffee, and that's where they finally whacked him. And the jury came back and said, Anthony, you're guilty, guilty, guilty of all charges. Anthony turned white. And his, uh, his wife, Heidi, was crying and screaming. And you know who consulted Heidi? Salvatore, the older brother that Anthony tried to whack, the brother-in-law of Heidi. Showing that this incestuous nature of the geriatric, espresso-sipping, psychotic killers of organized crime goes round and round and round. So what's the difference between the Hunter crime family of the Bidens and the Zatolas who are at war with one another? The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now, Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. WABC, it's the pedophile on a pedestal. Michael Jackson, who did the theme song for the movie, Ben, about rats. The four-legged rats. We'll talk about the two-legged rats also in City Hall that Eric Adams, we fired one of them today. But let's stick to the four-legged rats, Lou, because Eric Adams, a swagger man with no plan, has lost... Against the war on crime, crime is higher than it ever was in the eight years of Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope's uh, administration. And so he has decided to switch. You know, he loves to do that pivot and shift and declare war on the rats, the four-legged type. So uh, 
They had a press conference yesterday, and his inept, uh, no reason that she should be the sanitation commissioner, a woman named Tish from the Tish family, yes, you know, Jessica Tish, passed the great Poupon mustard, you know, as her limo driver Jeeves drives her about, oh, yes, look at those sanitation men and women, a woman who's never picked up uh, any trash in her life, never, because she always had Jeeves to do it. You talk to the men and women of the sanitation department, and they say she's absolutely the worst sanitation commissioner. All she's interested in is composting, which is not the number one issue in New York City. But yesterday, she was prompted to speak out against the four-legged rats that have waged war on all of you. Remember, supposedly there are two million rats in the city And when you include all the illegal aliens, including the newer ones that are pouring in from Venezuela, we'll talk about that momentarily. There are about 9 million people. So do the math on that. Here it is. Throwing down the gauntlet, the sanitation commissioner, Jessica Tish, declaring war on the rats. The rats are absolutely going to hate this announcement. The rats don't run this city. We do. What an idiot. What an idiot. They've been around long before you, and they'll be here long after you. The Norway rats, the rats from Norway, they were the first, remember? They're all over there in Bay Ridge with the square heads and Norwegians who think that Eric the Red, Leif Erikson, discovered the new world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this person of no consequence came out of nowhere and was talking about the Ratuli. Remember? movie that featured the father and son rat we have achieved a monumental victory in humanity's war against rats we are taking the fight to the rats this is not ratatouille rats are not our friends wait a second i saw ratatouille didn't you lou remember the father and the son they're looking up in the storefront of uh the schmuck to putz's father, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer. You know, the father was an exterminator in Brooklyn. The Schumer Exterminating Company, and they saw all the rats hanging there. And this is what the father told the son. Take a good long look, Remy. Now this is what happens when a rat gets a little too comfortable around humans. The world we live in belongs to the enemy. We must live carefully. We look out for our own kind, Remy. When all is said and done, we're all we've got. That's right. Rats looking after rats. I'll get to the analytics momentarily. And then busting his buttons and britches with his three-piece suit, by the way. Uh, It was priced at $15,000. Customized three-piece suit that Eric Adams, the swagger man, was wearing during this conference in which he declared war on rats, and listen to what he has to say. Everyone that knows me, they know one thing. I hate rats. You know, when we started killing them in Borough Hall, you know, some of the same folks are criticizing us now called me a murderer because I was killing rats. Well, you know what? We're going to kill rats. Well, he hates four-legged rats, and he hates two-legged rats. First of all, let's look at the track record of Eric Adams, rat killer, when he was Brooklyn Borough president. He failed. He drowned the rats, Lou. He took rats. He had a press conference, and he drowned them. And people were like, really? How are you going to drown rats? you got to catch them first. 
And then he said, oh, no, 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 we'll put dry ice. Dry ice, we'll put it in their lairs. And that didn't work. And then all of a sudden, he contacted Dow Chemical, and he got even stronger pesticides, which just meant that the rats developed immunities and became super rats and basically were eating the pesticides with the food and becoming stronger and more immune. Let me give you the breakdown on rats because I know about four-legged rats and two-legged rats. But, Lou, uh, I've been down in the sewers in New York. I've been in some of the worst infested rat locations. So let me let me give you the breakdown. There are at least two million rats, I think even more. I've seen them in the subways. I've been in the sewers, the restaurants, the buildings. They're all over the place. And they're nocturnal. Even though you see them out during the day from time to time, they're generally nocturnal. Figure about from 10 o'clock at night to 4 in the morning. So... Eric Adams and the Do-Nothing Sanitation Commissioner are pushing up the collection from 4 in the afternoon for the garbage. That is the garbage uh, that you put out as uh, normal uh, people, not the commercial garbage. Uh, And they think that putting it out four hours later is going to make a difference. Let me tell you something. The rats are still going to have their meals. And they're going to be feasting on this. This This is one of the dumbest things that I've ever heard. First off... Let's say you have two rats, Lou, a female rat and a male rat. You know, they don't have a problem with gender identification, non-binary rats that I know of. So you got the XX rat and the XY rat, and they fornicate and copulate, and a female rat can have seven litters in one year. That's 84 rats a year. And then you start to start thinking about how each five to six weeks – that female rat is going to have another litter, and they can start procreating at the age of six weeks. You can go from one male, one female rat in one year, and you'll have 1,250, then grow. it grows exponentially. Now, the city with the most rats is Chicago, an overwhelming number of rats. And rats generally uh, that I've seen live in colonies of about 50. And then they subdivide, and, you know, at times they even go to war against one another. Oh, yeah, it's like (laughs) jets and sharks. But in Chicago, what they did was they tried everything. Everything that Eric Adams is talking about, it didn't work. So they use feral cats now. You have feral cat colonies out there. They actually went around at shelters all throughout America. They said, look, we'll take whatever uh, cats that you have that normally you would probably destroy You would probably euthanize because someone didn't come to adopt them or you couldn't force them out. Give us all your cats. And they set up cat colonies, and it's the only thing that works. And it works here in New York City. There are feral colonies. My wife Nancy manages some in Sunset Park. There are so many others all throughout the five boroughs. All you would have to do is give these people some assistance so they can get some other cats out of the shelters, and it's the feral cats that will keep the rat population down. But you're not going to get rid of the rats. This is so ridiculous. But then again, Lou, there was a double entendre. There was a second meaning for... Can I hear Eric Adams again about uh, him talking about rats, Lou? Everyone that knows me, they know one thing. I hate rats. You know, when we started killing them in Borough Hall, you know, some of the same folks are criticizing us now and called me a murderer because I was killing rats. Well, you know what? We're going to kill rats. Well, there was a two-legged rat in City Hall. In fact, James O'Keefe of the Veritas uh, Group, great job, great job, used a honeypot 
to have a sit-down over a number of dinners with Christopher Ball, white boy from Manhattan, a real okie-dokie white boy, hipster millennial. And, man, he was, like, mad in love, head over heels. This woman, I don't know what her name was, the honeypot that James O'Keefe used, uh, was like Matahari. And he was talking, talking, talking like Yenta. And remember, this guy's very close to Eric Adams. He's in his advanced team. He's at City Hall. He knows where all the bones are buried and who buried him. And like the typical guy, Lou, who's with a female, he wants to impress her. This is what I know about Eric Adams. And this is a guy, right? He knows Eric Adams. And he talked about Eric Adams actually being corrupt. Listen. The mayor thinks he's got, like, ambition for running for president. Like, this is it for you. Like, no, you can't. You are very corrupt. And, like, lots of other issues. How so? Um, like, he's worth two and a half million dollars. He has rental properties. And, like, all he's ever done is be a cop and a civil servant. You heard the guy, right, Lou? The guy has two and a half million dollars, Eric Adams. And his own aide-de-camp says... How could he afford to have amassed $2.5 million if all he's ever been is a cop and a civil servant? You know, even with your civil servant uh, salary as borough president, as mayor, and your pension as a cop, you're not going to amass $2.5 million. So if I were the U.S. Attorney's Office, Southern District or Eastern District, I'm going to want to talk to this Christopher Ball who just got fired for being a rat. And then he went on to tell this honeypot, because remember, guys always want to impress women. They just talk like a yenta, yenta. So he talked about how <laughs> Eric Adams' handling of the illegal aliens is a complete disaster. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. I think what Abbott was doing has, like, proven effective. Like, it's flooded our system. And frankly, I don't know how much Biden is going to appreciate having a mayor be like, hey, you owe Blue City's money because of this migrant crisis. Eventually, it's going to make Biden look bad, which we're a month out from the midterm. It's a very perilous situation for him. And I don't know that Eric Adams is, like, capable enough to navigate it. I don't know if Eric Adams, that was his boss, is capable enough to navigate it. This is the guy who's on the inner circle, right? The advanced man. He's part of the team. And they're trying to disparage him now, saying, ah, oh, he was a person of no consequence. Are you kidding? This guy knows where all of Eric Adams' bones are buried and who buried them. Oh, I'd love to talk to this guy. Lou, I got to talk to this guy now that he's been fired. I'm going to say, hey, tell me about Eric Adams. Every time he goes up to that Verizon building where... Phil Banks, a deputy mayor for public safety, has a private office that he and the mayor share. Just four blocks from one police plaza, five blocks from City Hall. What do they need a private office up there? I know what it is. Phil Banks, when he was one of the top uh, uh, top cops uh, in the NYPD, uh, ended up laundering money on a regular basis. He would deposit in an ATM machine, then withdraw, deposit, withdraw. Everybody know this, knew that. He was an unindicted co-conspirator in police corruption, became a confidential informant, and avoided going to jail. And he now has a private office in the Verizon building that overlooks the Brooklyn Bridge. What does he need a private office for? How come he's not operating out of City Hall? How come Eric Adams is there in that private office? Because that's where they bring the loot, Lou. That's where they bring the Scarol, the Mula Shmula. Hey, U.S. Attorney, 
You got to talk to this guy, Christopher Ball. Please get him before I get him because I'm going to get him to spill all the beans now that he is going to be very disgruntled for being fired for telling the truth to the honeypot of James O'Keefe. Great job, James O'Keefe. Great job. Meantime, when it comes to the actual illegal aliens, they're bringing them into Randall's Island, and a lot of the homeboys there in the nearby shelter are, like, totally pissed off, and rightfully so, because look at it. They're looking at these illegal aliens. They got a lounge. They got 72-inch big-screen TV in their tent. They got Xboxes. They got three hots with a cot. They get laundry service. They not only launder it, they fold it and they bring it back in a bag. Now, so far, there are two. These are single, able-bodied men from Venezuela, but they expect up to 500. They'll be protected by the National Guard. And then all of a sudden, you got the normal homeless people who live in the shelter there, like 500 yards away, they're saying, what? How come we're not getting any of this? Come into our shelter. The smell is awful on every floor. The bathrooms are terrible. I mean, God, I love to be in that tent. Come come lay up in the bed that I got with the hard mattress and the bed bugs and the rats and the mice and the rodents. You know, Lou, they're going to be bum-rushing that tent. That's why they got to bring the National Guard in. Meantime, the mayor was giving an interview on CNN to who else? The failed program of Chris Wallace in which he was justifying and defending his late-night party style, insisting that he is helping the Big Apple economy. He goes, it's a 24-hour city. When I go out, I'm patronizing my restaurants, my hotels. I didn't know they were his restaurants, his hotels. Maybe he's getting a cut of the action. Who knows at the Club Zero Bond? But in honor of that appearance, let's play his theme song when it comes to partying hardy. Work with me now. It's all in the hips. Yeah. It's all in the hips. 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 Get off of me. It's all in the hips. Hey, just teasing the tension, baby. It's all in the hips. I'm on tonight, and my hips don't lie. I'm a hips. 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 It's all in the hips. They know I'm on tonight, my hips don't lie. I'm a hips. 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 Attraction. I am completely open. You know, I'm a nightlife mayor, and I like to test the product. Test the product, Lou, who's he been hanging with his homie, French Montana, the rapper who owns Cocaine City Records and Coke Boy Records who used to bring in keys, got shot in the head, barely survived, went to Roosevelt High School, which was called a drug school when Dominic Carter went there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the mayor claims, Lou, he sleeps only four hours in the morning. And then he's up and at him. He says, hey, I, I do my exercises. I have an energy drink. No no caffeine. Look, when you go to private clubs, let me, let me, let me specify. The reason it's a private club and you pay a membership and you allow guests in, whatever happens in a private club stays in a private club. Every freaky, deaky thing imaginable, that's why they're popping up all over Manhattan. For the rich, the well-heeled, the hedge fund monsters, the Bitcoin bandits, the cryptocurrency uh, Ponzi schemers. And they all love to toot. 
you know the lifestyle. Little many, many years ago, that was you, you know, Imus in the morning. Hey, remember Imus with Toot before he would come in in the morning? Sid Rosenberg with Toot before he came in in the morning? You take quick snort, right? It's like an energy drink. I want the mayor to be forced to take a whiz test, right? That's whiz testing because I stay up to the wee hours in the morning. I'm used to working 24-7-365. Uh-uh. If I was going to a club... There ain't no way that I crawl home at 3 in the morning and I'm up by 6 and running the complexity of what is known as the city of New York without a little boost. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. And there's no stopping us right now. There's no stopping us right now. And there's no stopping us right now. I feel so close to you right now. The red wave is coming, ladies and gentlemen. And boy, I've gone into overdrive. Give you an idea, I'm helping every Republican candidate out there. Who is running against a uh, incumbent or a challenger who is into defunding the police and defunding prisons? Last night it was with Michael Zambluskis, 12th Congressional District, Upper East Side Republican, who's taking on Jerry the Whale Nadler. And I said to him, I said, hey, Mike, you're not going to be taking your clothes off and do a sex video like the other guy in the race. He goes, no, 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 no. (laughs) I'm sticking to the topics, which is... To beat Jerry the Whale Nadler, who wants to defund the police. And then I also went bing, 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 and started helping Juan Pagan in the 7th Congressional District, Brooklyn, Queens, Republican, against Nydia Velasquez, who supports the DSA, Democrat Socialists of America. She's on board with defunding police, defunding prisons. And I got to tell you, this leads me into asking all of you, to join us here at 77 WABC when we dedicate, we dedicate November 3rd with special guests and commentary all day long at 77 WABC sponsored by Ramsey Mazda. It's Back the Blue Thursday, November 3rd, in which we honor law enforcement as Mike Zambluskis in the 12th Congressional District against Jerry the Whale Nadler is doing as a Republican and Juan Pagan. Man, these are battlers, man. They, they are lifers. I've been with them in the trenches in the 7th Congressional District against Nydia Velasquez, who hates the cops. And then in honor of Bernard McGurk, let me tell you something. How many times, Lou, Bernard McGurk, even when he was in bed doing the program, uh, suffering from the effects of chemotherapy and the cancer that had metastasized from his prostate and his liver, how many times his battle cry was, we got to get rid of State Senator Todd Kaminsky. we got to get rid of State Senator Todd Kaminsky, who represented the area he lived in, Long Beach, the former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District, the guy that the Democrats used to create the no-bail law, the only one in the nation that will not allow judges to make any determination about the dangerousness of the accused, danger to himself, danger to society, no, no. And that was Todd Kaminsky. And let me tell you something, I credit Bernard 
for leading the charge because then the guy had the chutzpah to run for the DA in Nassau County, thinking he would wreck all of Nassau County. And the Republicans just turned him back, devastated him, so much so that when his term in the state Senate runs out on January 1st, he has decided to go find a job hanging wallpaper. I attribute that to Bernard McGurk, and that's why you got to come on out and join us on October 26th at 10 a.m. as we honor Bernard McGurk with a special mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. All are invited. For more information, head over to WABCRadio.com. If you plan on attending, please email us at RSVP at WABCRadio.com. And, Lou, you know I'm heading up? Number six train up to Westchester Square. Going to be helping a Republican there in the neck who's running in the assembly to turn back that no-bail law. Then I'm going out to Middle Village, helping another assembly candidate in Queens to turn back that no-bail law. Then I'm going out to Brighton Beach, where the Russians and Ukrainians have embraced me and have become Republicans, the strongest Republicans, including uh, with the Asian community, backing an assembly candidate there. And then I'm winding it up in Woodside tonight with another Republican backing him up. By the way, uh, the mayor has said, uh, what is it? It's the perception of crime in the subway, Lou. Could could I hear that a second? Our battle is in the subway system is fighting the perception of fear. Yeah, what about that guy in the A-train this morning at Chamber Street with a samurai sword trying to chop off people's head? You schmuck.